Good morning. My name is Chad White. I'm a staff. I know a lot of you know me, but for some of you that don't, I'm a staff minister here at Holy Word. Uh, it's my pleasure to bring to you God's Word on this Reformation Sunday. So it happened again. Did you hear about it? Uh, I think it happened yesterday. Eleven people were killed outside of Pittsburgh. How many of you heard about that yesterday? Um, a shooting, another shooting. Um, and I have a question for you that I want you to think about and really think honestly about it. Just think for a moment. When something like that happens or when the troubles of this world happen, how do you handle them? What kind of person are you when those things happen? Are you someone who tends to take those things in stride? Or do you tend to get pretty stressed out and worked up about them? Not just what happened yesterday, but you know, all kinds of troubles that we experience in our world. When you hear about ISIS, when 9-11 happened, Hurricane Katrina, the recent flooding that we've had in the Austin area. What kind of person are you when those things happen? Jesus knows your heart. He knows my heart too. He knows everyone's heart. And he knows because we're sinful human beings that we tend to, or we can be very tempted to, get kind of stressed out when those things happen. And because of that, Jesus had a lot to say about the struggles of this world and how we should handle those kind of things. He talked a lot about them in the Gospels. And, uh, and today we're going to look at another one of those moments where Jesus uh, talks about the reality of the struggles in our world. And he does it to prepare us because he wants us to be prepared for the struggles of this world and how to handle them. What we're going to look at comes from... Uh, Tuesday of Holy Week, so it's about three, it's three days before G, Good Friday when Jesus would die on the cross, and uh, as far as we know, that was Jesus' last day of public teaching, and him and his disciples are leaving the temple, and uh, Jesus tells the disciples, he says, this temple is going to be destroyed, and basically, this temple is going to be destroyed in the near future. Now, the temple was an incredible structure and an engineering architectural marvel. And so you can imagine this caught the disciples off guard, and so they say, well, Jesus, when is this going to happen, and what are the signs that, that this kind of thing is going to happen? And what we're going to look at is Jesus' reply to the disciples' questions. And uh, what he does is he opens a window for us. He lets us peek into the future and to see, again, the struggles that we're going to face in this world and, and what he says about those things. So pull out the yellow insert in your bulletin. It has the, our scripture text for today that we're going to be meditating on. It comes from Mark's Gospel, chapter 13. And I'm going to read for you the uh, first five, or the five, verses 5 through 8, and it should be on the screen for you as well. Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming, I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. 
when we listen to Jesus' words, it kind of sounds like the evening news, doesn't it? <laughs> or what we see on the, the news feeds over social media. Uh, Jesus talks about a lot of things, a lot of struggles that we're going to face in this world. And the first thing, and we heard uh, Vicar mention it in the children's sermon, he talks about people that would come in his name claiming to be the Messiah. Uh, do you recognize any of these people? Uh, any of these pictures? Anybody on the screen? David Koresh, I heard. Yeah, so on the uh, upper left, is that, on, yeah, for you guys too, is David Koresh. Uh, right below him is a guy, that he's gone now, but his name was Reverend Sung Young Moon, I think is how you pronounce his name. Two other guys, I couldn't tell you their names, but they're all four guys within the last just 20, 25 years that have claimed to be the Messiah. That's just within the last 20 to 25 years. So, right, we see Jesus' words definitely coming true. Uh, and Jesus says what? He says, do not, do not be deceived by these people, right? Uh, a number of things there. I, again, I don't know if you recognize them. The one on the upper left is from Hurricane Katrina back in 2005, 2004. Uh, about 1,800 people lost their lives, they say. The next one on the upper right, anybody want to take a guess at what that is? The tsunami Again, that was about the same time, 2004, 2005, 260,000 people estimated lost their lives at that tsunami. Crazy. 9-11, even if you weren't alive when that happened, and some of you here were not, you, it, uh, how can we not forget that? The largest, most deadliest terrorist attack in U.S. history, uh, Osama bin Laden, the war on terror, most recently... Uh, the, the leader of North Korea, rumors of wars, right? Jesus said that. There would be rumors of wars, kingdom against kingdom, earthquakes, natural, natural catastrophes. The one in the middle, the flooding, that's actually from the Austin area, from taken this week from the flooding that has happened and the, the water problems, right? So again, I have to ask you, what kind of a person are you when you see stuff like that, especially when they first happen. How did you handle it? Because Jesus said what? Do not be alarmed. The problem is that we tend to get pretty alarmed when that kind of stuff happens, right? We get pretty stressed out. We, we are glued to the TV. I was too. We're glued to the TV and to the computer screen when stuff like this happens, it, it infiltrates our emotions and our, our, uh, our motivation for things. It, it, it gets into our discussions with people. Uh, it just it keeps us up at night. It, uh, we worry about it. We get all stressed out about it. And I'm, by the way, there is a, there's a place for healthy concern when things like this happen. That's not what I'm saying. Um, God wants us to have love and compassion for people that are affected by these kind of things. But that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is what we sang about in the opening, I think it was the opening song today, faithless worrying. We, we think and we talk and we act like if someone were to talk to us, we don't believe in God. There's no God in control. We, again, we get all stressed out about it. And when we do that, it's sinful. We're sinning against God when we 
get all stressed out about things. So what are we to do? How are we to handle things like this? Well, Jesus helps us. He gives us some, some words to encourage us. He says in uh, the last half of verse 7, he says, Do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. We get pretty alarmed about things, but, but God doesn't. Nothing takes God off guard. God isn't up in heaven wringing his hands about everything that's happening in this world. God knew about 9-11. God knew about David Koresh. God knew about Katrina. God knew what was going to happen yesterday. And not only does he know about it, but he's in control of all of it. <laughs> in complete control over all of it. And not only that, but it's all a part of a plan. Right? When he says these things must happen, it's because they're all a part of a plan, God's great plan to save humanity. And we don't always know exactly how God's going to use events like this. Sometimes we, we get to see a window into it, but God is going to use all of these things, all of the troubles of the world as part of his plan, and it's all leading to a great and glorious ending when Jesus will come again. That's what he says when he's saying the end will come. For believers, Jesus will come again, and he'll put an end to all of it. We look out and we look at the world, and, and, uh, and, and Jesus is saying, it's, again, it's all part of a plan. And, and when we look at it, we realize that it's, something is broken, and we're part of the brokenness. Well, when Jesus comes again, he's going to fully fix all of it. And Jesus wants us to think about that, to remember that these things must happen. God is in control. They're part of his plan, and Jesus is coming again to erase all of it. Jesus compares it to birth pains. Now, I've never had a baby. <laughs> But I know that when a woman has a baby, those pains are incredible and very difficult and hard. But what gets a woman through that is knowing that they must happen. It's all part of a necessary process leading up to what? A beautiful, wonderful thing, a baby coming. And Jesus says in the same way, all of these struggles of the world, he says, yes, they're hard and and painful, but they, they must happen. They're all part of a necessary process leading up to something incredible and beautiful and wonderful, namely Jesus coming again. How many of you have ever uh, DVR'd a, uh, a football game or a sporting event with the intent to watch it later? Okay. A few of you have. Um, have you ever done that and then Someone told you what the outcome of the game was before you watched it? Now, most people would probably maybe not even watch it if they were told the outcome. They're like, oh, why watch it now? But have you ever watched it when you knew the outcome? Carla's raising her hand. <laughs> yeah, I have, and especially when you know your team's going to win, right? Because it's actually fun to watch the game because even though... You're watching the game, and normally when you don't know the outcome, 
things happen, and, and I know for me, I hate to admit it, my wife knows this, but you get stressed out, like, oh, we're going to lose a game, or oh, this is happening, oh, what a bad play. But when you're watching the game, and you know your team's going to win, those bad plays happen, and you're like, mm, we're going to win, right? It's a lot more peaceful watching the game. <laughs> it's great, actually. You get the, the translation to what Jesus is saying here. Jesus wants all of us to just sit back on the couch, relax, watch the game, knowing that all of the world's troubles are just, just part of the game of life. But we know the outcome. And it's victory for Jesus Christ and for us. Jesus doesn't just prepare us for the world's struggles by helping us know that it's all part of God's plan. He also wants us to know that we are part of that plan. And that's what he goes on to say. Look at verses 9 through 11. He says, You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. So in these verses, Jesus gives some kind of specific details to the disciples about what they were going to face in the years ahead after his ascension. And he tells them, he says, you're, you're going to face some tough times. You're going to get arrested. You're going to get punished. Some of them would be put to death. But he says, in the middle of that, you're going to have these awesome opportunities to proclaim the gospel. And when you look at the book of Acts, which is the first book after the gospel books, which chronicles the, the apostles' activity uh, after Jesus' ascension, that's what you see. You see all these incredible events where the disciples, yes, are going through some very difficult times. Some of them die but in the middle of it, they're proclaiming the gospel. They're boldly, joyfully proclaiming the gospel. And we actually see this happening throughout time. People in the middle of hardship and struggle, sometimes to the point of death, proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ. We heard about it in the Old Testament lesson, one of the most popular accounts from the Bible, right? And it, again, it happened throughout time. Luther and the Reformers did it in the 15th and 16th century. That's part of what we're celebrating today when we celebrate the Reformation is Luther and these other Reformers that in the middle of hardship and facing persecution and death, boldly, joyfully, incredibly proclaimed the gospel of Jesus. And God is still doing it today. And I just I want to share with you uh, a, a story of, of someone in our midst, uh, somewhat recently of, of this happening. How many of you remember a guy named Bill Tryon? Maybe just not as many so much anymore. He passed away about, I'm kind of looking at Bill, because I know Bill knew him uh, 10, 12 years ago, maybe something like that. Uh, so try to make a long story short. Bill, uh, Bill went to UT, fell away from the faith when he was in college, Graduated from UT, owned a business with another member of ours, Paul Linden. I don't think he's here today. Still comes. 
Um, they owned a business together where they uh, ran, helped run campaigns for some pretty high officials, uh, co state congressmen, I think even some of the governors, and that was, his business, that was their business together. Well, during that time, Bill got a tumor in his head, uh, and doctors told him probably wouldn't have very long to live. Paul said, you got to come talk to our pastor. So they did, and over the course of not long, Bill came back to the faith. And from that time on, Bill, the rest of the life that he had, Bill always said, God gave me a platform to share the gospel message with people. The cancer actually went away, got treatment, went away, came back with a vengeance, and he was gone within months. Um, he spoke here at Holy Word, but the thing I want to share with you is when he was in the hospital down in downtown Austin, and I would go see him and, and other people, some of you maybe went to see him, a neat, really cool thing was that <laughs> You'd, sometimes you'd walk into the room and there'd be these guys in black suits there. And they were people that Bill had worked with in his campaign business. Some of them were congressmen. Uh, some of them, I didn't know who they were, but they looked, pretty, they looked pretty official. And sometimes they were coming into the hospital, sometimes leaving. But it was just this cool thing thinking, here's Bill, and he's getting to preach the gospel to all these dignitaries and these congressmen. It was, it was so neat. And again, Bill never hesitated. Boldly proclaimed the love of Jesus Christ that, that he had for him, even in the middle of such hardship. Well, friends, you have a role in God's plan, too. Along with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Luther, and the apostles, and Bill Tryon, you have a role as well to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ amidst all of the struggles that we have in our world. And so are you ready? Are you ready to fill your role to proclaim the gospel of Jesus? Some of you might be thinking, you know, I don't speak very well to other people, and, and I just don't know if I'm up for that. I often don't know what to say. I don't know my Bible very well. I feel like I might mess things up more than I help someone. Well, what, is, what does Jesus tell us here? In these words, look at, look at his words again. Verse 11, whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. I got to tell you that um, early on uh, when I uh, was called here, uh, so... 15, 16 years ago, you know, I was, felt like I was on fire for Jesus, and I wanted to share Jesus with people, and, uh, and so I would think about what I was going to say, and, and I would, uh, you know, try to think just about the right combination of, of Bible verses and wisdom and, and reasoning and all that, and, and then I would go into those conversations, and I would kind of push it in the conversations, and it never seemed to go very well, <laughs> and I'm not saying it, it won't sometimes, but after a while, I, and, and some of it was taking these words and, and other ones like them from Jesus to heart, and I thought, I'm going to quit doing that. And I, I started to, before, when I knew I was going to be talking to someone that didn't know Jesus, um, even if it was in the moment, right, in a grocery store or something, I would say, Jesus, I'd just say a prayer, Jesus, if you want me to talk to this person, open a door and give me the words to say. Give me your Holy Spirit, to, the words to say. Amen. And it's amazing how much better it seemed to go 
And I'm not saying there was a bunch of mass conversions after that. But I certainly felt a lot more at peace about speaking the gospel to people. Because then it wasn't so much about me and trying to think of the right words to say. Because it isn't about me. It's about Jesus and his message of love for all people. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. Don't worry about what to say. Take your place among the believers of all time. Luther, the apostles, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego boldly proclaim Jesus Christ to others. It's a wonderful, incredible, sometimes difficult honor and privilege that we're given. Now, I'm getting ready to wrap things up here. Um, hearing that and in in, in being here in the pew today, we feel encouraged and motivated and strengthened by Jesus' words for us. But, but I know when we walk out the doors, for me too, it's not so easy <laughs> to not get all stressed out when these things happen and, and to remember in those moments that God is giving you a platform to share the gospel. So it's important to remember that the, the man, Jesus, who's giving us these words and these commands, really, is also our Savior who forgives us. Jesus never, ever got twerked out about the stuff going on around him, the world's troubles, and he had it too. Jesus never missed an opportunity to share the gospel with people. He saw everyone as a lost soul and, and always said the right words. Jesus never lost sight of his mission, his role in the fulfillment of God's plan. He even orchestrated the, the terrible events that he came into in this world. He endured them and orchestrated them in order to win us salvation. <laughs> An oppressive government, oppressive Jewish religious leaders, punishment, torture, and eventually a death on a cross. Jesus endured it all and orchestrated it all to forgive you and to forgive me and to forgive all people and to rescue us. It's a rescue that we enjoy today, but we will enjoy fully when he comes again. This is the hope. That is the hope in which we can live at peace even in the middle of worldly struggles. That's the message that we proclaim. And it's the power to proclaim that message. So, go fulfill your role. Let's all do it. Knowing that God is in control of all of it. And it's part of his plan. And knowing that we have a wonderful, incredible message that we get to be a part of to share with all people. Amen.